I didn't have a belief system outside of Shea Hillenbrand, the major league baseball player, because I was like, I'm one of the best in the world. This is my identity. But when that was stripped for me, that was, oh my gosh, that was the most difficult thing to do. So the way I did that is I had to create a new belief system. I had to look in the mirror. I just say, what do you believe about yourself, Shay? You can't hide. You can lie to everybody else, but you can't can't lie to yourself. So I said, you know what? Like, what do you believe? I, I believe I, I was scared. I was lost. I was hurt. I had pain. I had anger. I had resentment. I had all these negative, uh, you know, we could talk whatever about emotions. There's no bad emotion, but all these limiting emotions and those emotions drove my thoughts and my thoughts drove the story. My story drove my perspective. And I had to audit my perspective of how I viewed the world. And I had to create a new belief system by keeping credibility and accountability. I had to gain credibility with myself by keeping the promises to myself. I didn't keep promises to myself off the field. I kept promises to myself on the field. That's how I became so successful. And I was able to hide behind that veil of major league baseball player. Hey everybody. Welcome to the mental purpose podcast. That intro gives you a very little sliver of a taste of the intensity of this guest and this episode. I'm going to tell you that this is the most intense, energetic episode that we've ever done. I'm going to tell you that I talk very little, like maybe for two minutes. Shay Hillenbrand is my guest today, and he is delivering the most compact, fire, power, intense, just just gold after gold after gold. It's like, it's like gold coins spitting out of this guy's mouth. And I got to sit back and be a, a be a, a a listener, and it was really freaking cool. And I don't think I've met anybody that can make me look like a total like mute. And this guy delivered such fire. So look, if you don't know Shay Hillenbrand, former uh, MLB baseball player, MLB All Star, he owned a zoo. He hit all of his childhood dreams and then realized that none of them were his actual dreams. And all he was doing was chasing the money and the fame and the identity and the blah, blah, blah to form his identity and to form, you know, to, to appease his ego and to counter this pain that he felt when he was a kid, when his dad said, we're moving. And in that moment, he said, I'm not lovable. That right there is in all of us. We have that little shape, that little, that little time, that, that time that, that our lives shifted because our mindset and our belief patterns shifted. And today we're going to dig in deep. I, I, guys, I, I can't even go over all the stuff that we're going to, we're going to get to today. I'll give you a couple of things. And it's just what, what an incredible episode, by the way, we're not going to get to a quarter of the things I wanted to ask him detail-wise. So don't worry. Listen to this episode. A part two, maybe a part three, and a collaboration are in the works. Just know that, okay? So that's all you need to know for right now. This is a worth it episode. I can tell you that the guy is poised and professional and delivers gold after gold after gold. You may have to slow this episode down to catch it all. Just FYI. I want you to, I want you to enjoy this episode like I did. I want you to just be with it, be with the energy he's spitting, be with the the fire that's coming. And I want you to take action. If you're one of these guys, like most guys out there, most successful guys, if you're one of them, all we ask is that you take action. You do something for yourself. 
You put yourself first and make a decision to move your life forward. That's it. That's all I'm asking. Is just do something to start to change the trajectory of your life today, right? Guys, mentalpurpose.net is everything mental purpose. Join the community, the mental purpose community. We got free giveaways, the purpose-driven formula. Check that out. We've got the mastermind. We've got the retreats coming up next year. It's awesome. I want to get into this episode right away. You ready? Get your pen and paper out. This one's fire. All right, Jay. Welcome. Appreciate you being here, man. And I am, I'm really excited for your story to be shared with this audience for guys that don't know you. And I don't know you that well. And I, I, I was just, I'm fascinated by the man that you've become, the identity that you've shed, the triumphs and the formulas you've used, what you've built, how you're helping the world. Like, bro, you are a definition of a man on purpose. So I'm really excited for you to share your story with the audience and, and have them get a ton of great information from you today. Yeah. And I'm super excited to share. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. It's funny when you say man on purpose or uh, shed the identity. I didn't have an identity before it was baseball. So that's what I mean. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that is a, uh, it's symbolic. Like the Jersey comes off and the man goes with it. And then the man kind of goes naked out into the world. And it's like, I've had a couple of football players, uh, pro football players tell me the same thing. Like the Jersey comes off for the final time and you go out into the world and go, Oh my God, since I was four years old, this has been what I do. This has been my goal. This has been, you know, where my eyes were. And now the prize is behind me. Like, Oh my God, I'm 29 or I'm 36. What the hell do I do now? You know? And military members it's, go through the same thing, man, right? When they 100%. when they retire or they come back from active duty, especially combat, and that's why that's why veteran suicides up because there's no purpose, there's no direction, there's no help, there's no depth. So we're getting deep today. Absolutely. And you, you, you train, you're trained at such a high level uh, yeah. with your mindset and you have to fully immerse yourself into something when you do that. Um, you, you're treading in very uh, dangerous uh, water. And I think a lot of people experience it. Yeah. So take us back, man. Like, give us the quick, um, you know, you're a kid and you got this vision of, I want to be a pro baseball player. Absolutely. I mean, I was that kid in fifth grade that Mr. Murphy's class to be a in fact, um, I was in the back of the class and he said, okay, we're, we're going to dream big today, guys. What do you guys want to do when you grow up? And I'm vigorously raising my hand in the back of the room. I'm like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And Mr. Murphy's like, okay, Shay, what, what, what do you want to do when you grow up, Shay? And I said, I'm going to play major league baseball and I'm going to own a zoo. And all my classmates laughed at me. Yeah. And I took that. I took offense to that. I was like, watch me, dude. I'm going to do it. I don't know what you all are doing, but I'm going to play major league baseball and I'm going to own a zoo. Yeah. So fast forward three or four years later, uh, I'm sitting on my bed in my room. I just finished ninth grade, which in Southern California, in the LA area, in the 1980s, ninth grade was still in junior high. We called it junior high back then. I was getting ready for high school my sophomore year. Just finished baseball camp for the team. We got to make it. I want to make you guys understand, like I found my solitude. I found my identity. I found my safe space in my community of friends and sports. And that's it. I had this internal world of hell going on inside myself from experiences that I had throughout my childhood, specifically with my dad. So my dad walks into the room at 14 years old. I'm sitting on my bed and he drops a bombshell on me. 
He says, son, we're moving out of state. Hmm. I was like, what? Like I was stunned. And I want you guys to like, like hold on to that right there. And maybe go back into your childhood, your, when you're adolescence or maybe uh, an experience with an adult or whatever. I've helped and worked with thousands of professional athletes. And my story is absolutely nothing compared to the other athletes I've helped share their stories with. Hmm. My dad said, we're moving out of state. And that's all it was said. He walked out of the room. And this is formative years of my life. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, man, I'm going into high school. I don't have any voice. I don't have an identity outside of sports and friends. And the story I told myself from that experience was I'm not lovable. I'm not, I'm not good enough. And my dad doesn't love me. Hmm. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. And I said that over and over and over and over. And what I didn't realize at that moment in time, how I interpreted and communicated that, communicated that experience to myself, I formed a story in my head, which formed a perspective of how I viewed the world. And that perspective ultimately breaks me. What's up, guys? I'm so sorry to interrupt the episode. I just need one minute to share with you all the new and exciting, amazing stuff we've got created here at Men on Purpose. First of all, thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting the movement we're creating for all the men of the world. Next, you've got to check out our new website, menonpurpose.net, where you'll find all kinds of cool stuff, including links to our podcast and the free Men on Purpose community. You're also going to find our new free purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook and links to all of our new coaching programs and products. Look, I've had so many of you ask me where to get started with your personal growth journey or where you can go to level up. So I put this thing together, this free ebook and mini course, and we're going to be talking about and coaching you through a really light version of our purpose-driven formula, which is our foundational formula. And for those of you who are ready now, we got you. Listen up, whether it's becoming the best husband, being the best dad, quitting that job that doesn't serve you, or just understanding how to put you first, we've got what you need to align with your authentic self and find that true fulfillment and live a life with no regrets. Look, we're helping men with structure, support, and sustainability. That's what you've asked for, and that's what we deliver. As we lead you through proven and tested curriculum that focuses on formulas to help you get farther faster. So make sure you go to menonpurpose.net, Click the button to download our free, powerful, purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook. And while you're there, make sure you check out some of our amazing products designed to help you find your purpose, stop self-sabotage, and dial in your mindset, skills, and habits to evolve into the best version of you. Why? Because we want you to live and have the best life possible. No regrets. So, mentalpurpose.net, let's get back to the episode. So, as I reluctantly left all my childhood friends and moved from Southern California to the hot desert of Arizona, I decided to become an overachiever through athletics mm. uh, just to prove my worthiness to my dad, not to make varsity, not to become a major league baseball player. Like everything shifted inside myself at that time. I'm like, I need to prove and I need to see that my dad really loves me. So I put my head down and worked really hard. I became an over, overachiever through athletics. And in high school, not many people know, I was a number one soccer player in the state of Arizona. I had chances to play in Europe. I had chances to play at universities, but my childhood dream as an LA Dodger fan in the 1980s was I am playing major league baseball. I didn't have any offers or any opportunities to play baseball after high school. So I walked on at a local community college out here in Arizona. And the only reason I made the team is because my work ethic. I was the first guy there, last guy to leave every single day. I said, I'm going to go to the big leagues. So after my sophomore season of college, I became the number one baseball player at the junior college level in the state of Arizona. With that being said, I was drafted by 
the Boston Red Sox. And at 20 years old, my dream is beginning to come true. Everything shifts. Like it's, it's materializing right in front of my face. But the thing is, is at 20 years old, I told all my friends I got drafted by the White Sox. They're like, what are you talking about, man? Like you got drafted by the Red Sox, dude. You don't even know what team you got drafted by. Like 1918, last time they won the World Series. Like Red Sox, New England. It's a nation. It's a, it's six states. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What you guys need to understand, I, I'm a Dodger fan. Okay, I grew up a Dodger fan, 1980s. Consistency of that, a Dodger fan, a diehard Dodger fan. You show up in a third inning, you leave in the seventh inning, and you listen to Vince Scully because you're trying to beat traffic. Right. And for two, I told all my friends, I don't give a darn what socks it is. I'm going to the big leagues. Right. So after five years in the minor leagues, uh, treacherous years, man, they don't really tell you that the first week after you get drafted and play professional baseball and start your journey at the professional level, 90% of players want to quit. It is treacherous. And the pressure of the sea of people for them to pick, to choose each team and to go higher in the rankings is so great that you lose yourself. And when you lose yourself, you really begin playing that pain-driven game. The identity of baseball becomes your sole identity really quick because you have to become obsessed. So in five years in the minor leagues, I was player of the year each team I was on, three of the five years, and give myself the chance to play Major League Baseball. And I'm sitting, and it's funny that we were talking before, I was sitting in Camden Yards in Baltimore on opening day. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm here. I'm starting third base for the Red Sox yeah. against the Orioles on ESPN game of the week. And they announced the starting lineups and I'm on the field for the national anthem. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm here. Like I have tears coming down my face. I was like, I, 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 I did it. Like, like I told all my friends in fifth grade, I was going to do it. I did it. But I still had this pain, this pain inside myself from the perspective I formed from that experience and other experiences like that at 14 years old, I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. And what I ultimately realized through the process of what I went through, I was only trying to achieve when I become a major league baseball player, my dad's approval, but that didn't happen. So after seven years of playing major league baseball, man, I had highlight after highlight after highlight. I was the first guy to hit a game winning home run Red Sox player off of Mariano Rivera, the all time greatest Yankee closer at Fenway Park. I'm rounding first base. The ground is shaking just because of what I did. It was asinine. It was like a defining moment in my career. I was a two time all star uh, starting at third base in the all star game, played in front of millions and millions of people. Uh, I hit three home runs and three consecutive innings for the Diamondbacks in one game. Uh, I was in a perfect game, played first base behind Randy Johnson at a perfect game, two other perfect games in Boston. And I'm sitting on top of the world. I had apex the mountain. I did everything that everybody didn't want to do. I put my head down and I worked and I figured it out. I mastered the mindset. I mastered the skill sets. I, I understood how to navigate a failure. I understood how to perform under pressure. I understood how to pivot. And I had to pivot so many times throughout my career. And so many people that are on their journey of starting something new as an entrepreneur or a business, uh, we need to realize that we have that final destination in our mind. I want to play Major League Baseball, but there's a good chance I'm going to have to pivot. There's knockdowns, setbacks, failures. So many times where I wanted to give up and I didn't. And I pushed through that threshold into the elite performer of who I became. And I was on top of the world, $20 million in the bank, flying private jets. Matter of fact, I was flying to the all-star game in 2005 from Arizona to Detroit, Michigan, and a citation 10 private jet. This is the fastest civilian jet in the world. It goes, I'm going 64,000 feet, 640 miles an hour, pimping, 
bad, but I didn't have my wife, didn't have my kids, didn't have my dogs, didn't have my entourage. I go through the private terminal terminal, and I see the secretary. How you doing? Nice to meet you, ma'am. And I, and I go on the plane. There's a flight attendant. There's a pilot. There's a co-pilot. Uh, how you guys doing? I have to put on the smile to be respectful. And then I sit in my seat and I don't have any distractions. I'm looking out the window at this private jet as I'm going to the All-Star game in 2005. My childhood dream, just like so many other children out there. Their child. I was living it real time. I look out the window and the thoughts going through my mind are, this is all life has to offer. This is it. Like I'm losing the game. I hate everything about this. I had to sell my soul to the game. And if you don't understand how to create an identity of who you are before you go into what you do, and if you achieve great success, the pressure at that level, you'll succumb to that and your name will become the game. My name had become the game. I had anything and everything I wanted while I was on top of the road that seven years. Private jets, three mansions, six cars, 300 pairs of shoes. Oh, I love shoes. Clothes in my closet that, that I didn't even take the tags off of. I had anything and everything, but the one thing I didn't have was fulfillment because that perspective I formed from those stories, I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough, my dad doesn't love me. So at that point in time in my seventh year, the prime of my career, I am numb to everything and everybody around me. I have three beautiful children. I have a wife. I have everything on top of the world. I have millions of dollars in the bank. I am rocking home runs. I have little girls in the stands holding up signs. Will you marry me, Shay? I'm doing autograph signings for $10,000 an hour. And girls are coming to the table, crying and shaking just because they got to meet me. But what they don't see is that deep, deep pain resonating inside myself, fueling that pain-driven game because I had zero clue of who I was. So I call it the God-sized hole. That hole inside myself was so big that I tried to fill it with everything externally. I didn't know who I was on the inside. So I'm like, if I just get this, if I just get that, if I have the success, if I gain this status, get this car, fly that jet, this mansion here, spend this money here for this watch or this dinner, everything will be great but I couldn't put my head on my pillow every night and it sucked. So in the prime of my career, I make a decision proving to be the biggest decision of my life. I quit. I walked away. I walked away from that one childhood dream. Matter of fact, I vanished. That one childhood dream that all my friends gave up on when everybody else said in Arizona out here, it's too hot. I kept working. When they say, oh, I'm tired. I kept working. When they say, oh, uh, I, I, I can't do it. I'm sick. I was working and working and working. I'm mastering my craft. I've, sw I've swung a baseball bat a million times. I have a cleaner mindset like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, like Tim Grover says, the cleaner mindset. I have that. I've done it over and over and I can perform in front of anybody and I could hit home runs on the biggest stages. And I lost who I was through that process. So at that point in time, I left $50 million of potential earnings on the table in the prime of my career. I vanished. And I convinced myself, if I just come home to be a father to my three beautiful children and pursue my second childhood dream, remember Mr. Murphy's class? I bought a zoo and everything would be great. So I purchased a $5 million, 38-acre horse farm in, in Gilbert, Arizona down here. And I, and I rescue over a thousand dogs and, uh, and, and adopt them out. Wow. And I accumulated over 300 farm and exotic animals. 
I just vanished in the prime of my career from Major League Baseball, and I became a zoo owner really quick. I had camels, kangaroos, llamas, alpacas, monkeys, raccoons. I had two 800-pound Wilshire pigs. Those are the really big ones that they slaughter. Taco Bell and Gilbert. I had a three-legged goat named Trace. I had a C&I pony for a blind horse, and I had uh, <laughs> I had a Holstein cow, the black ones that were milking cows. I had a big one. His name was Biggie Smalls, and I had a little mini donkey. His name was Tupac, and we had to separate them at night, man, because they'd have coast-to-coast wars. I'm just joking, but we had this vision in my head where I just, man, I'd rescue these animals and rehabilitate them with unconditional love, and I put them in an environment where they'd interact with inner-city disabled and child crisis children in my community through my nonprofit foundation against all odds. I had a little train, those trackless train that went around. We did pony rides. We had the bounce houses. We had everything in the world. I quickly became the guy that owned Marley Farms, not the two-time all-star in the major leagues. It was absolutely insane, priceless to see and witness my animals transform thousands of children's lives in my community. I'm bound to get that approval now. I'm bound to get the fulfillment, the peace, the success, the all the everything that we're trying to seek when we go out there and achieve externally. I'm bound to get it now because Major League Baseball didn't do it. The glory didn't do it. The fame didn't do it. The status didn't do it. Definitely the money didn't do it. All it did was hide, hide all that pain, all that crap on the inside. And this didn't do it either. Hmm. What I realized through the process is when I had this farm and a zoo and helping these animals and these kids, everybody idolized me. And all that was doing was stroking my ego. See, when you're empty on the inside and you have success, what stands in that gap when you between where you are and the success you're having is ego. And ego stands for edging God out. Yes, ego can get you there. It got me there. But through the experience that I've had in my life and what I teach and what I share is not theory. It's not a Tony Robbins event. It's not sitting down. It's a 100% experience. So the stuff that I share, I lived it real time. So the two things I realized that you can't fulfill, you can't achieve with ego is you can't find sustainable success. You can't. It's impossible because you have a void on the inside of yourself. And the second thing is you'll never find fulfillment. And that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve is that feeling of fulfillment. That fulfilling that, that the feeling of satisfaction with what we're doing. So nine years ago, I found myself on the floor of a van parked outside my ex-wife's house. This is a van that I was living in. <laughs> Talking about extremely, extremely humiliating. I'm scrounging up change out of my cup holder because I've lost everything in my life. I'm scrounging up change out of my cup holder just to feed my kids Little Caesar's pizza. And I'm sitting there on the floor of this van parked outside my ex-wife's house with my three beautiful children arm's distance away. Here I am motionless. And after I overdose on drugs and alcohol, here lies a guy that so many people envy. Man, my kids are going to school. Everybody's idolizing me. Here I am by myself, motionless. And as the soul's leaving the top of my head and I'm clinging onto my last breath, the thoughts going through my mind are toxic, toxicity. You're a loser. You're a failure. You lost everything. What kind of dad would do this to his kids? What would your parents think if you left the world today, Shay? You're a hypocrite. You said you quit baseball for your kids, but you did. You just kept running and numbing and fleeing from that pain inside yourself. And the answer to all those questions by myself, I don't know. I'm nothing if I don't have baseball. Man, I was so tired of fighting that game. I was so tired of fighting that pain-driven game. I've given away millions of dollars to help people out. Everybody came to me. Everybody treated me like a god. And here I am motionless by myself, and I just gave up. I let go. I don't know if I died or if I fell asleep. 
what I, what I want to convey to you guys is that I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic now. I'm not a drug addict now. But what it was is I was trying to run them and flee from that pain because I couldn't process through it. I couldn't trust anybody. I couldn't ask anybody. Nobody understands what I'm going through because I'm super shay. Nobody gets it. Everybody idolizes me. You can't understand what it's like to be a major league baseball player, all that stuff. But it's all false. By the grace of God, the next day, the sun peered through the front windshield of my van and it woke me up. And when I came to, I realized I had no side effect. Nine years ago, I was living in a van after making $20 million and apexing the mountain, being on top of the world. I was one breath away from losing my life. But by the grace of God, I woke up the next day. I didn't have any side effects, no nausea, no stomach ache, no nothing. And the concoction of alcohol and the pills I consumed the night before should have been two options, dead or in a hospital. I had nothing. It was an aha moment. It woke me up. And when I woke up, I said, dude, you have to do something, Shay. And this is what happens with so many of us people. Yes, you could have a coach. Yes, you could have a mentor. Highly suggested, highly recommend it. Find somebody who's been there to help you understand where you're going through to navigate through. But you have to rescue yourself. I played the victim role for so long, say, oh, poor me. I lost this and I lost that. And everybody loved it. Everybody, everybody, everybody idolized me. Everybody stroked me. Everybody let me play the victim because I lost everything. So when I came to, I said, you know what, I got, I've, I've tried everything I could to ruin my life. I tried everything I could to, to numb this. I've, I've, I have nothing left, dude. I, I don't even know if, how I'm going to put gas in my van. I don't even know where I'm going to go sleep the next night. I was forced with two decisions at that point in time, the two main, most powerful, most difficult, most painful decisions of my life. And this is where a lot of people are right now. Because there's a lot of people out there that are struggling, a lot of hurting. There's a lot of men in quiet desperation right now. What I had to do is I had to take back control and I had to own my life. And the way I did that, the first step that I did is, is I had to get into momentum. See, for me to master becoming one of the best baseball players to swing a baseball bat in the world, there's only 20,000 Major League Baseball players to, to do it ever in a 100-year span. You have a better chance of winning the lottery than becoming a Major League Baseball All-Star. I did that. So I sat there and I was like, how did I achieve that? How can I apply that into my life? So what I did is I said, okay, I got into momentum. See, the first thing that all of us have to do is we have to get into momentum. See, life's about momentum. Life's about momentum. I'm telling you, if you get into momentum, you will get rewarded some way, somehow, but you got to create a process or a system to get into momentum. But the biggest thing, the hardest thing of the momentum cycle is getting started. And the reason why people don't get started is for two reasons, what I discovered. It's excuses in your current situation. I had all the excuses in the world to justify where I was, and I had the current situation. And what irks me, when there's a lot of gurus, there's a lot of leaders, a lot of people in this space says, forget your excuses, forget your situation, because they don't serve you anything. You better get moving regardless. But let me tell you one thing right now. Your excuses and your current situation is valid. Yeah. Don't take light of that. It is valid. Because that's our truth of where we operate from. And the thing is, your current situation and your excuses, they are serving a purpose. What they're serving is a human need. We have four human needs of the body, certainty, uncertainty, significance, and love and connection. Those excuses and that current situation is serving one of those human needs. A lot of us don't even know that because we're getting those needs net. Mets, excuse me. So through that process, we need to understand that, okay, my current situation and my excuses are valid, okay, and they do serve a human need. So what am I going to do regardless of that? I need to get started. 
I need to start on level one. And it was the hardest thing for me to do is to get momentum on level one after I was on level 100 on top of the world doing something that very yeah. few people could do with the mindset, with the ability, doing all this stuff that very few people in front of the world on the ESPN, you know, like I did that. And it was the most difficult thing for me to do is start on level one because I was like, you know what? I could start in level five, six or seven because I already did this. No, I had to start in level one. And for most people, they want to start in four or five or six because they want to get out of where they are. They're sick and tired of feeling where they are. They're in quiet desperation like I was. And that just, that, that just stalls the time for you to get going and get that massive momentum. See, what happens for everyone, the vast majority of us needs to go start in level one. And when that is, stop the bleeding. Stop those habits. Stop those routines. Stop those rituals that are bleeding you out. Stop, stop eating. All that crap. Stop sleeping all day. Get your sleep patterns. Get you watch what you're eating. Start moving. And when I got into momentum, gosh, God rewarded me. He brought the greatest gift of my life, my wife, Kristen, the most amazing gift that I could ever ask for. She came into my life. And you can't even write this script in a movie of how she came into my life. And what she did, she and other people, strategic people, they held me accountable and provided me direction. We need some people to hold us accountable to provide us direction. And the second thing is I did after I got into momentum by stacking little wins on top of each other is I stood guard on my mind. I was like, what am I saying to myself every single day? I had to become aware of what I'm saying to myself because that language we use for ourselves is the most important conversation we'll ever have in our life ever. It's not the conversation with the higher power. It's not the conversation with your spouse or your boss or, or your kids. It's with yourself. What are you saying to yourself, Shay? And when I stood guard in my mind, like the, the language I used for myself was so toxic, was so negative, was so limiting. I was just beating myself up. That drove me to play baseball, but I wasn't able to find fulfillment or sustainable success through that. So ego had to fill the gap because I was just beating myself up. You're a loser. You're not lovable. You're not good enough. And so many people are in that spot right now of quiet desperation and stuck with limited beliefs. I say it confined inside your internal zoo because I love zoo animals yeah. and you're shackled to the status quo and you want to be mediocre and complacent because you don't know how to get out of there. We got to stand guard on our mind. Just get moving. Right. Because that's the foundation of who you are. And the third thing I did is I, which was really difficult is I had to create a new identity, a new belief system outside of, Ooh, Shay Hillenbrand, the major league baseball player, the, the fantastic, a uh, superstar, uh, whatever the heck I was, which is just garbage. See what I realized is that us as celebrity or, or professional athletes, I have all the resources. When I go to the ballpark, I have a fielding coach, a hitting coach, a throwing coach, a videographer to analyze every move in the field. I have a nutritionist. I have a massage therapist. I have a chef. I have a masseuse. I have an orthopedic surgeon. I have everything, chiropractor, all the resources to work as Shea Hillerman, the performer. And that's what so many of us do. We fall victim, like put all of our eggs in one basket as our profession. If I get all this training and do all this stuff over here, then I'll reach the goals and the status I'm trying to reach and everything will take care of itself, but it won't because you can't show up as a husband. You can't show up as a father. You can't show up as a person outside of what you do. So whenever I left the ballpark each and every night, I didn't have anybody to help me. So what I'm saying is that I didn't have a belief system outside of Shea Hillenbrand, the major league baseball player, because I was like, I'm one of the best in the world. This is my identity. But when that was stripped for me, that was, oh my gosh, that was the most difficult thing to do. So the way I did that is I had to create a new belief system. I had to look in the mirror. I had to say, what do you believe about yourself, Shay? You can't hide. You can lie to everybody else, but you can't, can't lie to yourself. So I said, you know what, like, like what do you believe? I, I believe I, I was scared. I was lost. I was hurt. I had pain. I had anger. I had resentment. I had all these negative 
you know, we could talk whatever about emotions. There's no bad emotion, but all these limiting emotions and those emotions drove my thoughts and my thoughts drove the story. My story drove my perspective. And I had to audit my perspective of how I viewed the world. And I had to create a new belief system by keeping credibility and accountability. I had to gain credibility with myself by keeping the promises to myself. I didn't keep promises to myself off the field. I kept promises to myself on the field. That's how I became so successful. And I was able to hide behind that veil of major league baseball player. You see, when I played baseball, I was supposed to be a hundred million dollar player. I knew I could hit 330 home runs and hundred RBIs every single year. And that's kind of like knocking on a door of the hall of fame. I knew I could do that. And the only reason I'm sharing this with you is so many of us know inherently what we're capable of doing, but it's this, what do I think here? What is here uh, of what I truly believe about myself? Because the most powerful force in human nature is for us to stay congruent to what we believe to be true about ourselves. It's for you to stay congruent and align what you believe about yourself. That's it. That's the most powerful force. So it's like, what do I believe? I don't believe anything. So I had to really go back and reverse engineer. Okay, why did Shea Hillenbrand reach one-fifth his potential? I made 20 million out of 100 million. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the status. That's I don't, I don't care at all about that. But what's relevant to so many people out there, and I hear it all the time, well, I didn't do what you did, Shea, but I'm here. It doesn't matter what I did because we're all human beings. We're all trying to reach the greatest version of ourselves, right? So I reached one-fifth my potential, and I got obsessed at that time. Why did that Shea Hillenbrand reach one-fifth of his potential? And this is what I came up with was my perspective. It was my perspective of how I viewed the world. It was a lens of how I looked out at the world. And your lens is, and your perspective is formed by your belief system, your truth of how you stand. See, like I told you at the beginning, my story wasn't really bad because my story was my dad just kind of yelled and did some things. He didn't abuse. He didn't do alcohol. None of that stuff. He worked really hard. We kind of had a generational curse or whatever that we were battling, but he wasn't really bad compared to so many people's stories. But your story is your story, and your story is your truth. So my truth and my belief system was formed from the stories that I tell myself daily. And the stories that I tell myself daily were how I had interpreted and communicated experiences to myself throughout my life. But what I didn't realize, what I found out is we all have the remote control in our hand. We have the remote control in our hand to tune into a new frequency. We have the remote control in our hand to turn the channel to a new, if you're watching a movie, Netflix, turn the channel. We, we have the power to do that. Whether we do that or not, it's up to us. So you can rewrite history. You can't change the experiences of what happened, but we can change our perspective of how we view those experiences. But so many of us have had traumatic and defining moments and experiences in our life to where we had emotions. When my dad told me we're moving, those emotions that I wrapped around that story were just uh, resentment, regret, not good enough, like all this negative garbage and when we feel that, when we hear that, when I tell ourselves those stories, I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough, my dad doesn't love me. When we do that, those stories have those emotions wrapped around it, then we compartmentalize that. We just like put that off the side. Let's just put that off the side. If I just do this over here, I don't have the tools or the ability to articulate what this was, what I experienced. So we just compartmentalize that. So, so many people don't want to go back and rewrite history. So many people don't want to go back and rewrite their perspective because they're scared to Deal with the emotions that are attached to that. So I'm sorry to say there's no other way around that, but I'm telling you, if you're able to weather that storm and trench through that, um, you can rewrite history and you could change that perspective from being one breath away from losing your life to being one breath away 
to a breakthrough because a breakthrough happens at a moment in time, but a breakthrough happens with your perspective, a switch of your perspective. And we have the power to do that. And our power lies in our perspective. What I discovered through the process too, is that check this out. I want people to write this down. This is huge. Pain not transformed is transmitted. Pain that's not transformed is transmitted. Undealt with pain, you're going to harbor that and not know how to articulate that and transform that. You're going to transmit that. For me, it was anger. For me, it was pornography. For me, it was promiscuousness. For me, it was drinking. For me, it was it was, it was, it was Adderall. All these things to try to escape my current reality because I hated the way I felt. How do we transform that pain? It's through perspective. And that's how the MLB mindset was formed. People like MLB mindset because there's Major League Baseball, they think, but the MLB stands for momentum, language, and beliefs. And those are three irrefutable laws that really can't be refuted. Like, we can't argue that. We can argue politics. We can argue a pandemic. We can argue politics right now, right? <laughs> All that stuff, but you can't argue these. And these are the cornerstone of my life today. Uh, like the baseline of understanding, but to wrap it up from what for I am from the perspective, I th see things, everything's wrapped up in your perspective. So many people have a glass ceiling on their head wrapped around limited beliefs and thoughts because their perspective of how they view the world. Yeah. You, you know, what's really interesting. I, uh, I don't meet a lot of people that can, that can out, out, outmatch my intensity. <laughs> Dude, you just did. <laughs> I need a smoke right now, dude. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Holy shit. I, I was like, man, I, I, I was like five freaking writing questions like crazy. And I want to ask you. I'm like, I can't stop this guy's role. This guy's on fire. I, I, I'm, I'm just sitting here as a, as a like, holy shit, man. I'm a listener now. So this is great. I, this is great. So listen, I, I, let, me, let me go back here for a second. So don't you find it fascinating that that one decision your dad made and the decision he made to do it in like the, the, the way he did it. Isn't that crazy that that shaped an entire future for somebody? I want to point that out because that is, that is a crucial moment in your life. And had your dad come in, sit down, sat down on the bed and said, Hey, Shay, listen, man, um, I got some news. Uh, I want to talk through it with you. I want to get your feelings and your opinion on it. And let's make wow. a decision together. Right? No, I, I mean, yeah. That'd be a face. dream world. Right. Complete different result. Completely different. And who knows what you would have thought because it's not, it's not a reality. Do you want to know the that, truth, though? Yeah. When I went back and allowed myself to rewrite history, rewrite perspective with my mother, they've moved. <laughs> this is the craziest thing, man. We moved from Southern California to Arizona to give me a chance to play major league baseball. That's the main reason why we moved. And I didn't know that. And oh. I told my mom, why didn't you tell me? Are you serious? Do you understand the story that I told myself the whole life? Why did you? Well, we just didn't do that. Your dad doesn't know how to communicate, you know, uh, what my dad went through, pulling his mom out of bars, my grandma out of bars at, when my dad was 13 years old. He's a twin brother, and he wasn't the good twin brother. He was a, he was a the has, has been twin brother, but he outworked his twin brother, and he was never good enough. So we fought this generational curse. What my dad went through, I went through like a, I have the goosebumps right now because I went through like yeah. a, a tenth or a minuscule amount of what he went through, but yeah. he just didn't know how to articulate it. It makes me very sad because he passed away when he was, I think, 75, uh, like five years ago and it's just like he lived his whole life with that 
of that, of that guilt and shame and resentment. That's ultimately what took him is because he harbored all that stuff inside and he had multiple diseases. He had cancer he had all this stuff because his internal world was this hell. It was just hell his whole life. And he, he did the very best he could. He loved us. He worked three jobs. He like, like, uh, like I'm saying it's crazy, but it's, it's a perspective of how you, how, how they were emotionally unavailable, um, which is very common to find with this generation. Right. And uh, it was difficult. So, so now it's just like, man, like, like, I love my father. Like he was my hero. Like, it's amazing to see how he was. And I, he passed away and he donated his body to science. And I was in his living room floor. He was, and I was there with my mom and Kristen, my wife. And I, they took his body and I kissed him on the head and I said, dad, I'm going to use my voice to, to, to impact the world. And I'm going to do it for you because he created me. Right. And it's just yeah. like, it's, it's perspective. It's all perspective. It is. And, and I think about the amount of men out there that are harboring that level of internal, what I call restriction and constraint self-imposed by the way, because they, they have the ability to, to maneuver it or, free themselves from it. They just don't make that decision. What's really crazy is like communicating with kids. And I think about my kids are little seven and, and almost, almost seven and almost three. And I, and I go, you know, the way that I was raised that emotional, the, the deep level feelings, those weren't conversations that we had for my mom or my dad. And I can tell you right now, it's a very difficult conversation sometimes because my dad is like my best buddy. And we're uber tight. And at the same time, a lot of the challenges that I've been through in my life are because I didn't understand myself inside and nobody taught me. And there is some resentment or there was, I cleared it. And so the, the, that thing, that resistance, that, that constraint he held for 50 years inside. And it wasn't until he, he, I don't think voluntarily, entered AA and cut the the cope cord, right? The avoidance escape pod that he actually had to face the monster that he was running from for 50 fucking years. And then facing that monster, it was, damn, all I needed to do was just acknowledge that my mom passed away when I was 11 and I've been angry for 50 years about that. Holy mm. shit. And once that yeah. cleared from his world, his internal world, all the anger dissipated. It's like if you threw some sand out the window of your car going 60 miles an hour, it dissipated. Yeah. And yeah. he became, right? Not even became like in, in the MOP world, the guys know when I say it, he, his authentic self was revealed. It was just there. And now for, from that point, which was like 10, 11 years ago, he, he got to live and, and still gets to live his life as the authentic him without those internal restrictions restrictions or constraints and he made a choice just like you said he made a choice he changed his inner circle he changed his environment and he got the results that he was looking for actually he probably got results that he didn't know he was looking for as well that's me too yeah yeah so dude what wait, I, now <laughs> I, have so many I never knew questions. this person was possible yeah. I never knew I could feel this or experience yeah. this and uh, without Adderall and without trying to escape and, 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 you know, do it with through whatever you, you do to, to get those feelings. Um, I, I, I never knew it was possible to find my smile. I never knew it was possible to, I was just going to write, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I don't know. And when I, when I did that and submitted, 
that's when things changed. I don't know how to do it. I just, I just need to, I need to figure this out, man. I need to humble myself. And it's the hardest thing for men to do, especially successful men. Is like talking about like, surrender. You talking about just letting go. We're talking about vulnerability, yeah. vulnerability, and, and and we see that as a sign of weakness. I can't share with anybody what I'm going through right now or whatever, but um, it's it's the most beautiful place to operate from. And what I've discovered through that process is when I change that perspective, the pain points in my life, I tapped into a power inside myself that's just stupid. Yeah. I'm just like, this is insane, man. Like I just, I did. I had a 15,000 square foot house designed on 13 acres. I spent $300,000 on a block wall and I was going to sit on my front porch of my house after I retired from baseball with my millions of dollars and say, F the world, forget the world. I hate everybody. I don't have to talk to anybody because no one can get to my house. Yeah. Well, God had a different <laughs> plan for me. And, uh, gratefully and graciously, uh, I, I, I went through what I went through to discover this. And, Isn't uh, that crazy, man, that the path for so long and the, and the fight and the effort and the energy and the sacrifice to get to that point only to go to the bottom to actually live your true mission. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't do anything. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I'm just so on fire. I just love what I do. Um, I can't wait to wake up every single day. And when I was in the prime of my career playing for the angels, I was in a $4 million mansion. And the first word out of my mouth every single day was the F word making millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. My wife at the time, like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, you'll never know what's wrong with me. You have no idea what I've had. I'm going through only if you knew. Only if you knew what I have to do every single day to go out there and navigate these waters that very few people could do. And what I discovered that I didn't, I, I didn't even know I, I couldn't articulate it. I didn't know. I just, I, that's just, I, I had that bundle of ball of just anxiety and stress and negativity in my gut for yeah. 12 years straight. Like baseball is every single day. That's what's it's different than any other sport. I play one right. six, six months. I have three days off a month and over a six month span in those three days, two of those days were flying. So you didn't have time with anything outside of baseball. And then we have spring training for five weeks before the six months. And there's one day off in five weeks. It's just like, you. and then when you go to the off season, you only have two weeks off because you got to train the whole off season to keep your job. And like, it's just like, what is it? This is my childhood dream. You know what I mean? Right, like this right. is asinine, you know? And what I realized too, is like at that level, the greatest gift, the greatest blessing that I ever, uh, I missed out on was being able to utilize that platform to, 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 to impact other people's lives. Well, like, you just, are. I, you technically now, are now, yeah. Now, technically now, are. yeah, no. But when, it, but when I was there, it, it yeah. was just, it was just sad because you're so lost and you're so wrapped up oh, into man. that. And, and I'm speaking for the vast A majority of, of professional athletes, right? Vast majority of CEOs, business owners, we're making six, seven, eight, nine figures. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we're we're in this together. And I speak all over yeah. the world, and I'll get off stage and I'll have people come up to me like, "Dude, I'm going through." I'm yeah, because it's, we're human. Of course, <laughs> of course. But if you become like your authentic, like I'm. Oh my god. I did. I was. I had the third highest active batting average in Yankee Stadium when I played. Meaning that going into Yankee Stadium, out of all Major League Baseball, I was the third best hitter on that stage in that environment, the biggest stage in baseball. And I would crack home runs, ESPN game winning, and I go out after the game in New York, uh, five star restaurants, four thousand dollar meals, and I'd have my entourage there just to drop whatever you guys want. I don't care. I could step to the plate in front of 44,000 people, but I couldn't step to the dinner plate and eat dinner. I'd almost go to the bathroom. I almost urinate in my pants every single meal 
because I had fear of getting up out of my seat, walking across the restaurant to use the restroom because everybody's staring at me. Like I had zero self-confidence. I had zero self-worth. I had zero self-identity. Zero. Because I was always told, if you hit, go to the big leagues, you'll get paid. Everything will be taken care of. Yeah. And I did that. And so many of us put our eggs, like I said, in the basket of, 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 of performance, basket of profession, is that it's just, it's not good. I see it time and time again. But what I discovered too is like, I say we have three pillars, right? There's your personal pillar, which is you. It's your mind, body, spirit. And then there's your private pillar. As a professional athlete, it's like, this is my private life. My private life's my interpersonal relationships, my spouse, my children. Don't, don't mess with them. You can mess with me all you want. Put me on blast. Don't mess with my family. So your private life. And then there's your professional life. So if you get your personal life on track and your private life on track and get those work, you will have ridiculous exponential growth in your professional life. It's insane what will happen. You'll show up as a better version of yourself. You'll have confidence. You'll, you'll have ideas downloaded to you. It's, it's, it's insane. And, and what I discovered too, there's, there's no such thing as balance between those three pillars. You can't find balance in your life. If I'm going to go out there and scale a business, if I'm going to go out there and try to master the skill sets inside the industry that I'm in, because skill sets have utility, um, there's going to be sacrifice. Like I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm flying into New Jersey doing a keynote speak and I'm flying back home Saturday night. I'm going to miss my kids, my wife. I take my daughters and my, we take them on a the golf cart at the school. I'm going to miss that stuff. I'm going to miss horseback riding lessons tomorrow. I'm going to miss that time. Like there's no balance between those three pillars where the balance comes from. I have the goosebumps again on the inside. We have to balance ourselves on the inside. What do I need to do to fill my cup up every single day? What do I need to do to fill my take up every day? I can't just show up like this, bro. Like this energy and this passion, all this stuff. What was fueling this before was negativity, was anger, was resentment, all those negative emotions. I had to clear that up. And it took a process and I have to fill myself up and I have to do the things on a daily basis. Like, I feel like I'm on, uh, I'm on crack after I finish these things. Like this fills me up, man. Like it's, I've never done crack, but it's just like, I just, I imagine this is how it'd be. So it's like, when I get done with this, I show up as a better husband. I'm able to communicate better. I'm able to show up and be present. See, I was never present when I played on top of the world because I, I sold my soul to the game. I was always there. I took my kids to a private jet to my family and my dogs. And, and, and I was always at Disneyland taking my kids, but I wasn't present. So since I wasn't present, what we do as men, we buy them presents. We overload them with materialistic stuff. And we do that to try to fill that gap. And then we mess up our relationship with our wife. We mess up our relationship with our kids because we're not present. And we don't know how to navigate that because we don't know how to deal with our stress relievers. We don't know how to deal with the stuff that we have internally as a man, as a husband, as a leader of our house. So, so inherently, I know that I've messed up this stuff with my wife. And I know I've messed up this stuff with my kids because I don't know how to show up. So I'm dealing with this internal garbage. So I'm going out with the boys, I'm drinking, I'm maybe doing some things that I shouldn't be doing. But the thing is, I don't know how to fix that. Yeah, I don't know how to fix that with my wife. I don't know how to fix that with my kids. But what you got to do is just take a step back and audit yourself, audit your perspective. How am I viewing the world right now? What's driving me? What was driving me before was was anger and resentment and short temperedness and being a crappy dad and a horrible husband and, and just showing up every day hating who I was because I knew deep inside myself. I knew deep inside myself that wasn't me. 
just Google my name, dude. You can see all the crap I did in Major League Baseball. I just, I was like a Tasmanian devil. I just tore stuff up, man. We're going to, I'm in the process of writing a book. We're going to turn it into a movie. And I told the producers, I'm like, dude, like, you don't even have to make up stuff. You're going to have to pull stuff out, the stuff that I did. Like, it's yeah. insane. But all that was, was characteristics that I built to protect that hurt little boy inside because I couldn't let anybody look into my eyes because I was scared that they'd see a shattered soul. And if you're on top of a world being treated like a God, that's the scariest place to operate from. I could, I was married for 15 years before I couldn't even look my, my wife in the eyes ever talking about showing up as a crummy person. Like, like it's just crazy. And I found all that stuff. I found peace. I found my smile. I found, I found everything. Whenever I took pictures with fans, how many times you see a professional athlete take pictures with fans and her face is like, and uh, yeah. like they're this like this crap i always smiled you'll never find a picture of me never smiling because i my thought was like you got to smile every picture shade because you never know who's going to show up wanting to take a picture of you and that experience might get them one more day because they were going to commit suicide and that smile and that interaction that's that we all have that power there's so many people that are struggling right now we all carry that power right now just a simple smile just acknowledging people letting them know that they're being seen but what I didn't realize through that whole process when I saw my wife, Kristen, because she used to, I remember her at my farm. I remember her because of my smile. And all I was searching for when I was on top of the world, being a celebrity athlete, when I did my second dream of owning a zoo and rescuing animals and, and just impacting thousands of people's lives, all I was searching for was my smile. And when I look at my wife in my eyes, and it brings me, it chokes me up every time now, because when I look at my wife in the eyes now, I feel comfortable to allow her in because I'm not hiding anything. And she says, Shay, you know what's crazy is when you smile, you smile with your eyes. Yeah. Your smile is so beautiful. It's pure. And I'm like, what? This is possible. So if there's somebody out there right now that's listening to this, like just struggling, just like just re-listen re to this, re-go re back and just like just if I did it, you could do it. It's possible. It's just taking one step at a time and just getting the momentum, man. Dude. I mean, you and I could probably talk for five hours. You could talk for four and a half hours, and I would just ask you questions for thirty minutes. Dude, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let the audience have that, and you and I are gonna talk again because I want to dig into so many things that you talked about. I wrote notes, and I literally wrote like, "He's got to come back on," so my team knows. Send him an email because we got to dig into some things. I know the audience is gonna want to know more depth. Like, I want to know how you got to that place in the van what happened to the zoo how did you walk away what were the consequences what happened to you then what were people saying what were you thinking were you you know suicidal like i want to know all that stuff so we're gonna i'll, I'll hold that we'll do a we'll do we'll do a a, a, a shea hillenbrand whatever you call it um uh part two and we'll dig, <laughs> dig funny because i have some great answers ready at my tongue right now so it's like I, we'll, we'll my team's off, like so. keep them under an hour and i'm like oh my god yeah, we, we're yeah. that we're never gonna be under an hour so we are under an hour and i'm like oh, i'm getting <laughs> plus shay you just packed this thing man you delivered information so fast that they, these guys got so much from this episode i'm 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 blown away man that that was uh that was a real treat that was a real gift to all of us. So I really appreciate, I appreciate all the shit you've been through, man. I appreciate the shit you've been through and the determination and the value you put on yourself to get your ass back up and to be this authentic you. Like I got so much out of today and, and I, I I'm so grateful for that. I'm really grateful for that, man.
Yeah, thank you for the opportunity, man. I, I never yeah. thought this would be possible. That this is the last thing I thought I'd be doing, like I told you. And and once you discover that power inside yourself by changing your perspective, you start getting creative. You start finding things that you enjoy doing. You start seeing things through a different lens. And that's where we tend to find purpose. And when you get to purpose, the profit can't not come. See, when we get that pain point and our perspective's negative to those pain points, we're like, if we just get that profit, everything will be great. But it's the first thing from the truth, you missed the meat of the method, power and perspective. And yeah. once you do that and your and your and your purpose. So um, I'm just passionately like like what drives me is I don't want people to feel the pain that I felt. Yeah. It is not good. It's horrible. I, I know pain's good. Pain's there for us to move. We have problems. If you don't have problems, you're gonna, you're dead. But it's just like there's so many people in this marinating and quiet desperation that are wow. one breath away from giving up. And I'm passionately on a mission just to try to spread and, and share my message and, and and do it as much as I can, as long as I can, just to provide hope. I've, I've been put here to revitalize souls and plant seeds. And that's what I've been put here to do. Not to yeah, play you know baseball. I hope I never pick up a baseball bat again. I can I care less about baseball. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is um, the amount of guys that come through the MOP world. It, it, it's the same story that the, the money in that cycle stopped the false results that it was giving. And all of a sudden these guys are trapped between this middle world where you wake up every day. Like I did, like you did and went and go, is this it? This is it. This I'm doing this for offer. that. Like, this is my fucking life. This is it. This is why I'm here. Mm -hmm. This can't mm -hmm. be right. This can't be it. Every morning when I put on a, a tie, like an asshole, <laughs> such, an <laughs> asshole such a sellout. <laughs> um, That's what a lot of us do, man. I, I know, man. I put and, on a baseball like, uniform doing that. It, it was, yeah, same thing. The tie, the suit, the baseball uniform. It was like, it was money going, hey, hey like sitting in the corner going, you're my bitch again today. Look at you. Yeah. You don't have any fucking control over yourself because I'm in control of you. Like every morning, money, success, and power, my which basically made my identity, it 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 laughed at me every morning because it was in control. And then that gap got wider. And I became more curious, like you did. And I became more curious about how to jump that gap, knowing that this was possible on the other side. I just didn't know the formula to get there. And then, and, and like, like you did, we, we stopped, made a call, sent a text, asked for help, right? That's what you got to do. That's what you said earlier. It's hard so to do ever. To this, if, if you got motivated by Shay, and if you didn't, then you, you check your pulse because you might not have a pulse at this point. <laughs> if you got motivated by what Shay was saying, make a move. You have two guys sitting here right now that could help you, probably for free in some capacity with some kind of giveaway or something. If you are a successful guy and you realize that money cannot and will not ever buy you what you want, and you've gotten to a certain place, you got to take a stand for yourself, advocate for yourself, and make a move. Right, it's just one little move. It's not change my life. It's change the moment. Change oh, the moment. The goosebumps. The moment. Yeah, yeah, dude. I could rap with you That's all day, it. my friend. All That's day. It. That's it. So I'm in my. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm living the life I always want to live when I was trying to chase it on on top of the mountain in Major League Baseball, in my dream dream house, dream wife, living a dream life, and and uh, and I'm not saying it to gloat. I'm not saying it to. Here's a guy. I have to work very hard every single day to to, to crush my ego and. And all that stuff and get and do and get right you know and and that's where a lot of us are that that have the ability to 
have success and, and make impact is just to, when you have pureness of your heart and you reveal that it's a totally different place of operation. Yeah. So when you do things, you do things out of your heart, not to serve your ego. And that's what a lot yeah. of us men do is we, we serve other people, foundations, get back blah, blah, to, to stroke our ego to look, yeah, look, look what I did. And I did that with my zoo. I did that with so many areas. I donated baseball fields. I donated millions of dollars and, and just to stroke my ego. And it's a sick place to live. And I'm so glad uh, that I was able to push through that, have the experiences so I could help other men articulate. That's where, like you're saying, it's very difficult for us to articulate. Yeah. And I've, I've been blessed with the ability to articulate it and, and share it, you know, um, that, that's what it's about. Yeah. I love it, man. Look, we're going to wrap this thing, bro. You just, you, you delivered, you delivered maybe, maybe the biggest bombshell episode I think we've ever done. <laughs> it's awesome, man. Could we switch really platforms awesome. in? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks for your time, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your knowledge. Yeah. Thanks for your heart too. I really, I can feel I mean, you had me choking up as you were telling the story. Like I, I, I could feel your authenticity and I really just, I really appreciate that. Cause somebody, somebody got something today that changes the trajectory of their life. And that's what this is all about for, for you and I, you know, and this platform. And that is, um, uh, that is fulfilling beyond anything. There's no else. greater feeling, bro. I've had it all, man. I've had all yeah. the money. When you discover your gifts and talents and you just master those and you train the skill sets around those and you give that to serve other people, there is no greater feeling, man. I've had it all. I've done it all. There's no greater feeling than that ever. I'm telling oh. you. And when you operate from there, sky's the limit, right? So yeah. Tell people where they can find you. Uh, Shayhillenbrand.co is my website. And I don't have Shayhillenbrand.com because some baseball fan bought it and thinks I'm going to buy it from him. <laughs> and I'm not going to do that. And I'm just on the social platforms. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and LinkedIn to Shayhillenbrand, but Shayhillenbrand.co. Yeah, and audience, uh, go on to Instagram. She's got a bunch of shorts and reels and stuff on there that are that are super power packed, 15, 15, 30 second. Yeah, they're they're great, man. So, bro, again, my my deepest gratitude for being here. This is this has been really Thank awesome. Thank you, bud. I yeah. appreciate you. I hope we didn't wake up your son. Oh, good. You got the earphones in, so that's let's see. That's no, he's passed out. Look at him. That's good. That's perfect, <laughs> man. That's what it's about. And that's where I'm sad about is because I miss those days with my kids. I, it just it breaks my heart. And I don't want men to go through that because you can't get those days back. Now, th this is, I feel very blessed because I got off the train, right? The ego train, the feel yourself in the inside from the outside train, let money be your master thing. I, I let my network, you know, the net worth being your self-worth, all that shit. I, I got off the train right when my son was born. My daughter was four. My daughter was like two. My son was born and I, I moved, moved off, rolled. And now I don't have those regrets. I still have other regrets. However, I don't have those regrets. But the little kid, that little two-year-old sleeping there, and when he wakes up, his little face, his little curly blonde hair, he, he, that's it. Rest of the day, oh, I have a mastermind to host tonight. The rest of the day, this, this kid's just going to hang with me. We're going to watch shows. We're going to play Play-Doh. It's so awesome. And, and dude, that's what it's about. And you know what? Because, because I'm aligned, this alignment will also generate financial resources. And that's a beautiful flow. It's not a hustle and grind anymore. So yeah. All right, it's dude. It's a big difference between hustling and grinding and flowing, man. That's, oh my big gosh. Difference. That's where exponential growth comes from. Huge difference. All right. I'm wrapping this. Audience, good, buddy. go check out Shea Hill and Brand. 
all social media, go to his website, do your thing, go back and listen to this again. And this might be the only episode you got to, you actually have to slow down. Me and Shay, dude, I mean, Shay, you run circles around me, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. It's great. I thought it was, I thought uh, it was fantastic. All right. So audience, mentalpurpose.net, anything mental purpose, anything you need, take action today, do something, advocate for yourself. If you need help, just take one step forward. That's all we're asking you. We love you. We thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.